Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boost every single day. Rudo and AJ coming at you to talk prospects today. Should be an interesting one. We got our current top 10 lists. Maybe do a little bit of comparison to what we had in preseason about six months ago now. Uh, for our prospects going into the year and, and see where they're ranked now should be, should be a fun time. Most for the most part, uh, you understand where prospect is at this year. They've still got a month plus left in their season, depending on how playoffs and things shake out for some of these guys, but you kind of have a good picture of, of what they are as players this season at this point. So we're going to do our top 10 list for each of us. Should be an interesting conversation. I know there's, um, particularly in the AHL, a lot of interesting question marks about some hats. Yeah, and I think uh, I think I think we should probably start with guys who didn't make list, the lists. Yeah, and um, I, just I, because I think there's going to be some conversation around a few a few players or maybe one or two in particular, and uh i also i also think that it's important to note that like bowen byram and alex newhook not and, prospects yeah uh mikhail Maltsev, those three guys in particular um because i was kind of tweeting about this show a few days ago and was like how's everybody feel about them and people were asking me like oh are they considered prospects and the answer is no Otherwise, they would have been one, two, and three. <laughs> it, it would have been a bit of a silly list with them at the top. Yeah. Um, congrats, Travis. Go get that job interview, bud. Uh, yeah. So we can definitely start with some players we didn't list. Specifically, I wanted to start with the goalies. Because if you don't know, AJ and I refuse to rank goalies against skaters. It's nonsense yeah. to even bother trying to do that. So we just put goalies in their own little category. Right. That doesn't mean they aren't valuable and valid prospects as certainly used to say in and in. And also I'm sure AJ, you're going to make a case here for Trent minor being players to pay attention to in the coming years. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, my argument for Miner is just that I think he's a he's a meaningful prospect. Sure. I don't think that he's a seventh round throwaway guy that they gave an ELC to, <clears throat> with with no hope for the future for him. I think that he's a guy that they think could be an NHL guy someday. Yep, a long way to go, a long track. Um, clearly, Anadin is ahead of him. Yeah. In the pecking order, he should be. Um, the results justify that approach right now, but we'll see with, with Miner. I I don't think that he is just your seventh round, uh, just move on, you know, just, oh, token. We'll see how he does, blah, blah, blah. Sure. The... <laughs> it's always nice to have more than one interesting goalie prospect in the system. I'd and and you've seen honestly, the, the Avs have not had a lot of success when it comes to goaltender development in their history. But at least in recent years, you're looking at the most success they've had. They really had a multiple goaltender system with Calvin Pickard and Sammy Idacolio, and 
Pickard being the only one that they've really gotten a real NHL time out of in the past 10 years. So yeah. I, I guess Budai was playing in the late 2010s still for the abs, yeah. but. And, yeah. And you look at, you look at their draft and development. Look, they've the guys that they have drafted and developed that turned into NHL starters, Mark Denis, David Abisher, Peter Budai. Calvin Pickard-ish. Calvin Pickard wasn't really like, he started on the worst team in Avalanche history and was essentially out of the league after that. Yep. He's made something like five NHL appearances since that season. So I don't really include Pickard much there uh, because it's the bulk of his games came that season. The only reason I include Pickard is he did reach the 100 game mark. I understand a lot of that came from 2016-17, but 100 game marks a, a reasonable milestone for a goaltender to say this dude had an NHL career. Yeah, and it, I don't. Who knows what would have happened, right? Had Vegas not claimed Malcolm Subban and he right. got to be, he got to be like an actual just backup goaltender for a few years there. Maybe, maybe that would have gone well. You never really know. Um, so the the gap between third goaltenders and like backup goaltenders is like 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 a Jonas Johansson to a Pavel Francouz. It's it's not that big. It's pretty razor thin for sure. Well, maybe Frankie's a bad example because I think he's pretty good, but a normal backup. Take a a career backup like like Chad Johnson was. Yeah, sure. That guy, yeah, totally, totally fine. You know, Pickard, Anton Forsberg. If Pickard ever managed to clean up the soft goals a little bit, he probably could have been a regular backup in the NHL. But yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, not the point. Not the point. For for the Amon, the, the, the big thing here is yeah. we're just not we're not the goalies will not be on the list. We both really like Eustace Ananen. We think that he's got a future. He's Colorado's like top goalie prospect. He's shown enough this year in his first North American season to absolutely warrant excitement for a future in the NHL. Is it starter? Is it backup? Is it high end starter? No, we'll see idea. when we get there. Yeah. yeah. Right now, you're just you're just trying to see how he did in his first year, and uh, he's done very well. On the whole, the yeah, numbers pretty, pretty the numbers are a little skewed because his first ten to fifteen games were iffy. Yep, there were some really really bad games in there, and then after that, he's really kicked it up yep. um, and was like the like the rookie of the month for November. Yep. Outside of like an odd stinker game, he really has been pretty consistent in the AHL, which is yeah. his first year in North America pretty positive sign to say the least yeah and if you want to read more about him um megan's post is up on the website i timed it for the start of the show so that we could start talking about on and in right away and the post would be up there in case anybody wanted to go read it lots of good stuff from uh, eagles head coach craig cronin and peter budai um who is helping with his development yep okay uh any other major notices that aren't on your list, AJ, that you wanted to talk about? So, uh, I don't have Shane Bowers in my top ten. Okay, I um, do for the record, but and I... it was it was kind of a last minute omission because I initially had him at nine, and then I was just 
I was just thinking about it and it was really more uh it was really more of a conversation about how I felt the organization was was going about it yeah um and I just didn't I really like Shane Bowers as a person I really like Shane Bowers as a player I think Shane Bowers could be in the NHL do I think um, Shane Bowers is going to get NHL games yes do I think it's going to be with the abs no yeah and I just yeah I think that's kind of how I feel, and that's why I just was like, you know what? I don't want to necessarily deal with this. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know how to feel about ranking him in a prospect list. He just felt so – everything is out of place with him. Um, I just don't know what to do. So I would definitely uh, – Bowers I, – I will tell you that I feel from people that I've talked to in the organization, it felt like – there was more unified hope around Bowers than there were some other guys in the system. Sure. And it was more, more that Bowers just has taken longer. And, you know, with the, the COVID stuff last year and the false positives and the, uh, this year he gets in there and then the season starts and then he gets, gets hurt. hurt. And yeah. there were, there were a bunch of, there's just been a lot of start and stops with him where it doesn't feel like he can just play 30 games and just see how he does. Yep. Um, and so it just, I, I think that's really, really hurt him a lot is that lack of rhythm, that lack of consistency. Cause he just needed those games. He needed them so much. Yep. And that's where, that's where I think he just, I'm yeah, kind of bummed. It, the, the production just hasn't been there this year too. Um, yeah. I, I did have him in my top 10, uh, but again, I, I am fully on board with the idea that it's starting to become a weird fit very rapidly in Colorado for him. Um, believer in the player, absolutely. But don't blame you for for leaving him off your list, just given the situation that has, has happened here in Colorado. I yeah. will say, when you watch him play, for two years now, he's had NHL-level polish. Yeah. There's the, the, the size, the speed... Um, his skating, his smarts, all of that stuff continues to stick out the same way it always has. Um, I'm, I don't know. I, I understand where Colorado is as an organization right now. Yep. Uh, and that they're not in the business of handing over NHL jobs in the situation that they're in. I get it. Uh, but it does feel like that dude could do Darren Helm's job. Don't just. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you swapped Tyson Jost and Shane Bowers. If you'd notice a, a difference, yeah. I don't know that if you would notice a strong difference, and yeah. that's not a knock on Jost and more of how I feel about Bowers. Yeah, I, I, I think there's really a couple guys in the Avs AHL system that you could drop into the NHL, the bottom line, and you wouldn't really notice anything. <laughs> at at worst, I should say, but is what it is. Uh, not going to change that. Any other major omissions from your list? I don't think so. Um, you you have Kovey on your list, right? I do. Because he was just off mine. After this season, I'm surprised by that. It's it's just the Russian factor. It's 
Okay. He's got another year on his uh, the lack of lack of belief that he's coming over anytime soon, if ever. I don't even know if it's lack of belief. It's just that conversation is always looming until it's completed, right? Like, yeah, the Russians haven't come over until that contract is signed. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I've just felt the the one thing about Kovalenko that I really liked was that again he he moved organizations. He started getting ice time and immediately started going back to being the guy that we were so excited about a few years ago. Yeah, I agreed on that front. Um, so when and when you're looking at that part of the system, um, you're talking about guys that I think are are real long shots like Tyler Weiss. Yeah, you know where I'm just I'm not sold. Yeah, agreed. He was not. So Govalenko was my ten. Who was your ten? Uh, I believe my 10 was Steinberg. So. All right. I'm, I'm curious how high you had him, but. I don't remember. Either way. Um, eight. We're gonna, eight. Okay. That's fairly reasonable. Yeah. This was someone who before this season. I'm not sure if he would have even been in my top 20 Avs prospects. He would have been, he would have been in my top 20, but he would have been down there. Yeah. And the big, the big thing with Steinberg is it was a lost year for him last year and his freshman year at Cornell, he didn't do much. Yeah. It's, it's not just his freshman year that he didn't do much. Yes. That absolutely true. You go into what was supposed to be his sophomore year and all of the COVID nonsense happens. <clears throat> yes, but he also doesn't play a single game of hockey that matters. He played yeah. a couple of preseason games in junior A that yeah. year, broke, broke his, leg, his leg, and then never got back into hockey for the rest of that season. And he was supposedly healthy by January of that year, but just didn't find a league to play in at that point. So. Yep. Just didn't find anywhere to play in and <clears throat> chose to get healthy. And right now it's hard to say he made the wrong call. No kidding. Uh, um, got healthy, went back to Cornell. And earlier this year at one point was leading the NCAA in scoring. Yep. Um, that slowed down, but he still is a point per game guy. He has 25 points in 23 games. Um, I talked to a couple of different college hockey people about this list and some of the some of the guys that I haven't gotten to spend as much time watching yet. And Steinberg was a guy that repeatedly came up as a big time power forward type of prospect. Yep. The the high end skill isn't going to be there, but his work ethic is there. He plays with all the power in the world. Do you remember last year during the draft when Abs fans absolutely loved the idea of the team drafting Zach LaRue? Yep. And it was because they wanted a guy with some snarl. That's Matt Steinberg. Matt Steinberg's got all the snarl you can handle, which is yep. part of it's a double-edged sword because it gets him in trouble. He gets into some penalty trouble here and there because he goes chasing big hits and is very willing to defend himself if somebody doesn't like one of those big hits. <laughs> um, he's He's had some issues with that, although this year – a down on the penalties from earlier in his career. Yep. Uh, not even just his freshman year, but you're talking going back to his days at St. Andrews 
he was a pretty high pims guy because he was running. He did a lot of running around and you really, there's just, there's, there's been enough skill level there that that combined with the kind of year that he's had and the, and the play style that fits into an organ, into an organization that doesn't have a lot of that, I think ups his value in my eyes. Uh, it's funny because I'm going to make this opposite argument when we get to higher up on this list. Yeah. But I think that when you're talking about like which of the guys, which, which of the guys uh, that, that you really towards, towards the bottom here, the Colby Ambrosios, the Tyler Weiss types, which of these guys, you know, Matt Steinberg, which, which of these guys really is the one that fits something that Colorado needs. My like could really, really, really use. I think part of that conversation is that he can provide goal scoring ability to the Avs forward depth. Yeah. You're talking about guys like Jost, like Helm, like mm-hmm. pretty much honestly, everyone not named Newhook that's regularly in the Avs bottom six. You're like, man, I sure wish that guy could finish a little bit more. Yeah. And that's what Matt Steinberg can bring. He can get to the front of the net and he can poke pucks home. He's I've never been a huge believer in his shot, but he was drafted for a good shot in part. And guy has 11 goals on the season this year, which isn't like crazy. The big thing with his goal scoring is that for a guy who plays with power in his game, it comes from where you think it would. Yep. He's not Oscar Olison, right? He's not sniping one timers on, on power places. Like, he has a couple of those, but you look at a lot of his goals are going to be in tight, are going to yep. be hanging out in in front of the goal and, and you know, just hard work. It's overpowering another human being. It's it's very obvious when you talk about someone who gets to the net front areas like that, the ones who can finish and the ones who can't. Yeah. How many dudes do you see go there and just fire pucks right into the pad in front of them? Yeah, compared to the dude that can make the one extra move to get it around the pad mm-hmm. or lift it enough to get it over the pad, just has like that, that extra spidey sense to, yeah. hey, if this guy's the goalie sliding, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slip this five hole, or I'm gonna put this in the seven hole because he's got that just that little bit of space right there, yep. and I'll just chip it over the pad. <laughs> you know, the those guys, and and it looks, look, I'm, I'm, I went from being like, ugh, Matt, like Matt Steinberg, like, can we just? I wanted to see something, right? To being yep. like, you could give him a contract this year, and I'd be good with that. It's a weird situation. Um, I wouldn't hate a contract this year for him. I do think he'll go back for another year. Um, again, the lost year means that by eligibility, he's still technically a sophomore this year. Um, so yeah, uh, NCAA wise, yeah, he is still a sophomore. This so year. he would be a junior this year, and then the Avs would have his rights for one further year. So they, it's not like he's going to hit free agency or anything. So he could go back for another year. I I think it'd be fine if he goes back for another year. But a conversation that I imagine is going to crop up a lot. There's a genuine possibility that the Avs don't sign any forward prospects this offseason, if not for maybe a Steinberg or a Tyler Weiss. Yeah, Tyler Weiss, they have a decision they have to make on because he's going to be a free agent on August 15th. Um, June 1st, they lose the rights to Niels Oman, who's not on either, either of our lists. lists. Yeah. 
Um, after after that, yeah, you could have the argument. Um, look, maybe your best signing options are Weiss, Steinberg, Nikolai Kovalenko. Yep. Those are your only signing options because you're not going to sign Ambrosio. Nope. Um, you're certainly not going to sign Andre Bulyalski, who played, what, three games, three games at Vermont this year? Before catastrophic injury. Yeah. Before major injury ended this season. And then, yeah, Taylor McCarr, not going to sign him anytime soon either. Yeah. Taylor McCarr will be a four year guy. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, so Steinberg. Yeah. You have him at 10. I have him at eight, but a lot of. A lot of optimism from two dudes who have not been believers. Had written that dude off, essentially, yeah. uh, until his breakout this year. Yeah, uh, and really impressive. Give him all the credit in the world, working hard and going. Absolutely. And the, just a free train. Yes, the Avs do still hold Kamenev's rights, uh, but I would say. Don't don't mean very much. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, either way, you cannot bet on some of these abs prospects but you can get in there and bet on college hockey a decent amount if you go over to DraftKings Sportsbook so get on over there check it out check out DraftKings get in there bet $1 on any NBA team to win their next game and get $150 in free bets when you sign up with code DNBR so jump on that with $150 in free bets why not throw some money at Steinberg? Why not throw some money at uh, at some of these other guys we're going to talk about just for fun? Just have a little bit of fun with it. It's it's essentially free money to play around with. So check Cornell out Cornell could make that turning too. They so are might a, be something you want to bet on. Team, yeah, UMass is up there. Um, DU is no pushover by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, DU is either. third in the country right now. Yep. So slow slow start, but DU has blown up. Well, and that team is an offensive juggernaut this year, but I don't know the last time that somebody dropped eight goals on St. Cloud's team. <laughs> it's been a hot minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, super fun hockey out there to bet on with DraftKings. So go check it out. Uh, you must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. To get the $1 for $150 NBA bet, you must be a new account and use code DNVR. DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And, of course, <coughs> if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. And then, if you want to watch professional sports in Colorado, go get Avaca TV. They have altitude. They're going to have AT&T sports when baseball finally does come back. So they got you covered on that front. They also have national channels too. They're super easy to use for just 25 bucks a month. They hook up to your television, just like normal cable or normal dish would. You plug it in. You're good to go. You got your remote. It's super easy. You don't have to do any of this nonsense piracy or other things uh, all the way around to, to watch avalanche hockey. It, it's so much easier with Avaca doesn't have to be the mess that it unfortunately has been so go get a vodka 25 bucks a month to watch your abs on your big screen tv all day all night whenever you want make it easy second period of the dnvr avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings sportsbook uh aj I do, I do oh, want to answer this question real yeah, quick fire. um asking do we see steinberg as a center or a wing in the pros he's been a center at cornell Mm-hmm. And I want to keep him there. If they can keep him there, great. Uh, keep him there as long as you can. And if it does not, at some point, if he needs to move to the wall, fine. I 
realistically, I think he probably ends up getting moved to the wall, but Same. just for versatility, you keep a kid at center. Yeah. If you, if you can. can get if you can get a center out of him, awesome. Like yeah. that's even that's an even bigger win for you to have a guy that plays like that, plays like a bull in a china shop with like rolling down like a little bowling ball down the middle of the ice. Hell yeah. But chances are you can probably expect to see him move over to wing in the pros. Yeah. But if keep him at center as long as you as long as you can justify it. I don't know. I don't know that the skating is going to be a great Probably fit down the middle. Not good enough, yeah. Uh, but and and all of the all of the the physical elements of his game, you're like, this is going to translate perfectly to wing. Yep. So, anyway, we'll we'll see. It, uh, hey, but it's, it's always yeah. easier to move from center to wing than wing to center. Full stop. Always, so. yeah. Unless you're Miko Rantanen, he just makes everything look easy. It doesn't make any sense. I think his center numbers are the most overrated thing ever, but it's fine. Uh, he just—it's he, just the fact that he does it at yeah, a passable. He's level. just a freak. He's just a freak for sure. He just plays top line center in the NHL randomly every so often, and is totally <laughs> fucking fine at it. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, what was your number ten, AJ? Um. What was my number? Oh, it was Kovalenko. Okay. Yeah. So we kind of already talked about that. Yeah. Uh, number nine, then. Colby Ambrosio. Okay. So it's going to seem like blasphemy because I love Colby Ambrosio, but he was actually my number 11. <laughs> and this is all because you have Bowers and I don't. Correct. <laughs> Because my original version of this had Bowers at nine, and then I was, when I decided to pull him off, then Ambrosio got that spot. Yeah, and I'm a, a huge believer in what Ambrosio does. He just needs his junior year to get the contract. That's all. I I don't think I don't. I, I'm convinced today that I would sign him, barring a major, major, major problem here. Okay. Um, I'm convinced today that I would sign him, but the big thing, he just needs to, to, to physically continue to fill out and grow and hit the weight through more and yeah, more and more. The, over the next he is year. a legitimate five foot nine. Yep. And playing any center or wing, it, it honestly doesn't matter at that size. Yeah. Like <clears throat> he needs to, he needs to get to, he needs to, he needs to get to where he will be okay in the pro, being able to handle the physicality of the program. Um, even if that takes him all four college years, I'd be a little nervous to let him go the senior year. Yeah, but if if that's what they think would be best for him, I would understand why. The big thing to hear is that the dude is relentless. Mm-hmm. The the and it's and it's a string that you can start to draw between a couple of these prospects. Their work ethic is crazy. You yep. don't ever feel like some of these guys disappear from games because you're you always there's there's always even if they're not scoring goals, they're out there doing something. They're finding ways to contribute. For a guy who's 5'9", 165, I think, he does not play like he's 5'9". He plays he plays up. 
Yeah, for sure. And he understands that, which is another reason why I'm stressing. He needs to fill out because he has absolutely no fear. He scores. You want to talk about a guy who scores a lot of goals. Everything within five front. feet of the net. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all of his offense happens at the goal mouth. Yep. Uh, and again, he's five foot nine and like a real five nine, not like the, you know, oh, he's five, he's five nine, but he might actually be like five ten or five eleven, whatever. He's actually, he's actually five nine. He's a tiny guy. Doesn't have the, passing ability but he reminds me a little bit of Alex Kerfoot in a lot of ways where he just goes to the front of the net and well the fearlessness the yeah. understand that you're gonna you're gonna get the shit kicked out of you but that's where you succeed that's where you find success in hockey is in front of in front of the net and, and it's it's a weird thing about some smaller guys that that play like that some some of those guys just have the skill of availability where you see them get bopped and they just get right yeah. back up. So. It, and then other, other guys, it seems like every time they get touched, they get hurt. Yep. And you know, it doesn't really matter what your size is. If you're brittle. Yeah. Very true. Um, But he is, he is certainly a guy. Uh, The, the goal scoring is, is, is good. He does a lot of things. Well, Skating is great. It's you can see how he would fit into the Avs very, yeah. very easily. Well, and he does he does a lot of defensive things for BC too. Yep. Uh, he he handles a lot of the, especially this year, as a lot of the big guns moved on and graduated to pro hockey. He took on a lot more responsibility, and he's been an important guy for them. And that, for the record, not putting this on Ambrosio, but that BC team this year is a hot disaster. Um since the start of 2022 that team just completely fell apart but is what it is i'm sure there's another guy from that team we'll be talking about a little bit further down this list so i mean when you can't get a save man yeah it's tough it's brutal out there their goaltending just took such a big step back this year all right um yeah ambrosio is a guy that and give him another year and we really are going to start talking contract next year um, where he where he projects in the pros is still sort of a mystery to me, and I think is one of the one of the reasons I I'm not higher on him because I don't see like a clear path to him being an NHL player. He's gonna have to figure out a way to continue to be successful at his size in the AHL. Yep. And until that happens, I'm gonna be kind of iffy on his prospects of becoming an NHL player. For sure. Whereas a guy like Steinberg, it's not hard. Or Steinberg or Kovalenko. It's not hard to see where those guys fit as future role players for you. Yeah. Really physical guys that are comfortable, that that sort of naturally ease into that role. With that being said, at least in the case of Steinberg, I think it is kind of the same conversation where the vast majority of prospects, they do enough to earn an ELC, and then you go from there for the most part. Kovalenko and the Russians in general are a little bit different, but... Yeah, for for NCAA kids, certainly they're going to have to prove it in the AHL unless you're like Kale McCarr, baller ass good. Yeah, uh, I mean, even even Newhook ended up with like 20 NA, or AHL games. Yep. So 
it's it's pretty normal on that front. Uh, my number nine is Alex Bocage. Yeah, don't have him on my list. See the full list, and I don't blame you there. I considered keeping him off my list just given the year that he's had. Um, the, the big concern for me this year with Bocage is what's the one thing we've always talked about with him? Talk it up, talk it up, talk it up. He has an NHL level shot. Yeah. Dude's got four goals this year. Yeah. And, you know, played a, plays played a depth role. Yep. Uh, on the Eagles. So he hasn't really gotten a lot of ice time and it's been a challenge for him to really find a job, a consistent job for, yep. for the Eagles. And now it looks like season's probably done. Um, uh, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah, I believe he has a neck injury. Um, should probably follow up with Megan before I tell yeah, people this. I don't, but... That's correct, but I don't know the exact details of the injury. <clears throat> um, and so that's that was a that's a a bummer. Um, you, I hate injuries being a part of this conversation. It always is, um, though. And with Bocage. It was mostly, I think Bocage started to really lose me in the preseason when I was watching him, and he just he it just wasn't. didn't do anything during five-on-five. Yeah. Five. And then on yep. the power play, they would set him up to be a little turret over there. And it was bombs away. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, this is where he's scoring goals. And, and, and it was the only area where he was productive. And it was just like, okay, so they need to try and find a pro a pro caliber player at 5v5 here. Well, there's and, so much to uh, there's so much work and development needed from Bokash though. The, so the issue for me is the skating is a little bit better than it was at the QMJHL level for him, but it's not to the level to where it's creating enough space at 5 on 5 for him. He's yeah. he hasn't figured out how to get the space to do what he wants to do on the ice in the offensive zone yet. He's not he's not there yet. And I think that that assuming he's he gets healthy next year, um, you know, if he continues to work on that part of his game and he really he really grinds at it, I think it'll it'll continue to get better. You look at where Tyson Joe's skating is today, yep. and you're like, that's fine. If Bokaj can get to that, you're fine. Uh it's it's gonna do it would do wonders for him, honestly, to get to even where Jost has gotten his skating. Yep. And then, and then you'll you you want to see the rest of the game really kind of develop from there, because you always loved the shot. The shot was yeah. always easy, easy, easy part to like for sure. <laughs> really, even with the Eagles, you could you could still see it. You know, it was just that he was not getting. It's more about his ability to get open for shoot to shoot than yeah. the actual shot itself. Well, and 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 to just be part of like a functional offense. system. Like there was, yeah. There was just so much about Bocage that needed that needs development. Yep. That uh, you really just look at it and you're just like, well, everything. He's got a great shot. He's got great size. And then after that, you're trying to build a hockey player from there. Yeah. The the only reason I have him as high as I do is again, you look at the incoming pool of Avs forwards, and outside of a Lausen, there's a bunch of dudes that you're like. Well, we'll see in a couple of years. Yeah. So. Yeah, it uh, the the forward group certainly is not one that is inspiring much confidence, which is why if we get to our next the next guy on my list here. Yep. 
I am all the way down on Sampo Ranto. All the way down. See, I have him at seven. See, this is where we're going to differ because I have him at three. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and the big thing is that I like the ten games he didn't do. He he didn't do anything in any of the NHL games that I agree with that. That that we've seen him do in college that have been that that's been so interesting inspired zero confidence in me whatsoever that we were going to see him back in the NHL ever at that point. It might be a little dramatic, but I wanted to see, okay, what happens when he goes down to the AHL? Because we saw Newhook go down to the AHL, hit that floor and bounce up off, off of it immediately. Right now, Jean-Luc Foudy's outscoring Sample Ranta in the AHL. Uh, not by points. There game, are but... a couple of games played difference. Yeah, but John Luke Food is nineteen. I hear you in the OHL and has been like bottom six. He's been he's been a three C. He's been on the right wing. He's been on the left wing. Like his job has moved around a ton, and Sampo has slowly. Like work his, way, his down. way down the Eagles lineup as the year has gone on. And from where he started, this just doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like the trajectory is moving in the correct direction. He's not had the kind of year. I, I thought he was going to be a more productive AHL player. I thought he was going to be a just a, not even productive, just a better AHL player. So he's very, he just long stretches. We're just not much is going on. Here's my my take on this and why I still have him at three is, yes, the production is definitely down this year. However, and part of what helped me come to this conclusion is the piece that Megan actually did with Sampo. Sampo knows that the part of his game that needs to get better is not his offense. It's away from the puck. Deb, this is, this is very true. And I think particularly in the first half of the year after he got sent down, it was a primary focus for him to get the rest of his game up to a passable level. And you can see around about mid-January, the production started to come a little bit again. Yes, there was still a lot of streakiness going on there, but he said, hey, look, I can still play offense. Also working on a lot of other things in the game. And I do think he's started to take steps in the right direction off the puck in the defensive zone. It's never going to be amazing, but it needs to be to a passable level. Anyone who watched the first 10 games of the season could see he was totally lost out there. Yeah. I think it's come a bit of a ways. I think maybe he can get the mental side of the game, the ability to think the game to a level where he could function. Um, Never going to be the IQ hockey IQ genius out there or anything like that, but he doesn't need to be. My my problem is that his natural tools just aren't really showing up that often in the for the Eagles, and I think it is a fair point to say that he's put a lot of his focus on his off the puck work because I mean he was so bad. Yeah, it it was really really bad. <clears throat> but my other. To the argument. point where I'm still shocked this coaching staff gave it 10 games. Well, that, that's my other argument, is that clearly someone in this organization really likes him if they're going to give him 10 NHL games when he looked like that. Yeah. So I do think they're 
barring no improvement at the AHL level over the next year or so, if we're in 2023 February and he's not producing any better than he is now in the AHL, I really think if he shows anything, the Avs want to give him another shot. We'll see. We will. I just there's there's one there's a lot of bodies now starting to be there. That is definitely true. Um, and he's not separating from any of them, which is something that I think is an important distinction. Is that his direct competition for NHL ice time are some of his teammates who are all trending upward in my eyes. It it at the AHL level. We're gonna talk about Martin Count in a minute, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but in the AHL is. Why would I be more excited about Sampo Ranta than Jean-Luc Foodie right now? I I given given the seasons that they've had and given the given that one of them is a 19-year-old and one of them is a 20 what 22? Ranta's 22, 21. Did he just turn 20? No, he didn't turn 22 till May. Um but I I totally understand your hype on on Foodie and I think there's a good argument to be made there. However, I think it comes back to the proximity to the NHL for me. I think the Avs are perfectly happy to sit there and slow cook foodie a little bit longer, wait for him to turn 20, get another year of the AHL probably under his belt. Whereas with Sampo, I really think if he can show anything solid down the stretch of this year and and maybe a good start to the season next year, I have more faith than you, I guess, that they're going to try to find a way to get him more NHL games at least. And I I definitely agree that they're looking for any excuse imaginable to get that guy back. And you know, if if because you look at the raw two, you look at yeah. you look at his size, you look at his skating, you look at his willingness to run into guys and be run into by guys. Like it's it's all something that just he's got a high enough skill level that him just running out there and just smashing into stuff is great. But it hasn't clicked at all in with the Eagles. Yeah, and, and, it hasn't clicked at all, man. And maybe my disposition here is a little bit too sunny on, on Ranta to put him at three because there is totally a world where he gets another shot and it doesn't look any better in the NHL and that's it. End of end of story. God, I hope not. But Me too. I mean, I, I'm tr- I have the positive outlook with him at three, but it's not like that's off the table. It definitely could happen. Yeah. So is what it is on that front. Uh, I don't even remember who I have at six. So yeah, here's going to have to bring that list back up. <laughs> okay. So it's seven. I have foodie. It looks like you have foodie at six. Yeah. So uh, we can talk about him. Obviously we've kind of already drifted into this conversation with the Sampo Ranta talk, but foodie is always going to be an interesting little experiment because of the way things played out and him playing in the AHL. Yeah. Uh, where you you are you are wondering like you have a legitimate question that you can ask was Jean-Luc Foudy better served playing in pro hockey this year or going back to the OHL with his peer group yep and being a high end i mean look at look at Olsen in the OHL who's just destroying who's just nerds yeah annihilated that league in the way that he does that 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 you know his skill set yep just led to him shitting all over the OHL. It's no big deal. Would 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 that have been better for Foodie's overall game for him to play 20 minutes a night, top power play unit, instead of playing 
more of a middle six role for the Eagles? Yep. Or is the middle six job for the Eagles a better estimation of uh, what he's going to be as a pro long-term as an NHLer? Because I don't think we're looking at Jean-Luc Foudy and thinking that he's ever going to be a top six player in the NHL. I don't think his shot is good enough. Um, uh, really everything else about his offensive game, I actually do love, uh, the, <laughs> the vision and the playmaking, playmaker, yeah. the, the skating, he's very creative. Um, I, he's unselfish to a fault, yep. but he's also unselfish to an insanely creative degree. <laughs> he's not going to confuse you with Trevor Zegras, but the playmaking is going to be good. It's going to be good for a middle six guy certainly his passing ability combined with his speed should pop in in a middle six assuming the game gets to that level yeah um i i really have very little bad to say about foodie i think he's very much on the right path and has taken steps in the correct direction i just think he needs another year in the ahl to really to really get there i think it might be two more years in the ahl yeah I mean, you consider, again, he's 19. I mean, some of these other guys are 21, 22, 23 years old. Like, coming out of three years of college, you know. he Foodie is going to be a guy that I think people get impatient with because he jumped straight to the AHL. People he was in the AHL how old last he year. actually is. Exactly. Yeah. He was in, he's in the AHL this year. If he's, he, I don't think that they're looking at him as a guy that's going to make the roster next year either. Yeah. So you're talking about three full years in the AHL before you even start talking about him as a potential NHL guy. And I and I think people will probably be like out on foodie but quicker because they lose they in, lose some of that perspective of right. how in, old he actually is and what a what a unique path he took. In comparison Three full years in the <coughs> AHL for Foodie is the equivalent age of one year in the AHL for Sampo Ranta. Right. So. <clears throat> so I just, with Foodie and, and the the upside, is he going to be a center? Is he going to be a wing? I still want to see him in the middle of the ice with that playmaking ability. The shot has got to develop, though. It's, it's, it's just bad. not good, It's man. really bad. Um, so. You're not going to pitch me on him being a defenseman, are you? No. I mean, I joke around about <laughs> I know, it. I but I I think it would be I think it would be an interesting experiment. Uh he's not physical enough, but I like I I wonder he's one of the few guys I've ever wondered about making that Dude, transition. If you're you're if you told me he could be Jacob McDonald back there, I'd believe you. Would it be better That's for him? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I still have uh, my NHL comp for him has long been John Mitchell, and I, yep. I'm still hanging on to weird one thing. Talented third line player. Yeah, the, the <laughs> one thing about John Mitchell though is that he he's he scored like ten goals a year. Like yeah. he had a pretty sick it, shot for a guy. Swap that was a hard four C. Swap the shot for passing ability, and he's that version of John Mitchell. Yeah, but like really smooth skating. Yep. Um, a lot of puck skill has some creativity to his game definitely uh and i think could be could be a long time nhl or as a as a depth center like that so i not your not your traditional profile there but i think that he's a guy that could and and look like 
when he hits the NHL someday, and if it's if it's in Colorado, his skating is gonna immediately pop. He doesn't do anything. He, I don't know that I've ever watched him play a game where there hasn't been one shift where I'm just like fucking Jean-Luc Foodie. I don't think he should be a defenseman, but he has that weird ability that you see it. You see it in defensemen a lot more, where they kind of just have that magic where they glide over the ice. Oh he yeah, has, he has that. Oh yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> definitely, he's, he's not like. Head. It's funny because it's so smooth that you're like, mm, this isn't explosive. Yep. But he gets up to that top speed, and then he just just around guys, and you're just like, oh. See you. That's different. <laughs> he's really fun to watch too. He is. So. He's a fun, fun player for sure. All right. We've taken a long time yeah. to get through six guys. We, we, we've gone pretty slow, but you know us and prospects, we get yeah. stuck in. Uh, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. Be sure to go get yourself some Avalanche beer from them. Uh, when the Avs score two goals in the first period, you can have a beer on Breck Brew. Make sure you keep your receipt. Go over to breckbrew.com and go to their two for a brew promotion to get free beer every time they have score two goals in the first period. They're delicious stuff. I really can't recommend Breck Brew enough. I've it's been the beer that I just drink since I've joined DNBR because they're so good. So go get yourself an avalanche. Have a Breck Brew. They're amazing. Also, check out Green Mountain Dental. Go get your teeth taken care of when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam with them. You get a free Sonicare toothbrush just for taking care of your teeth, which makes your life easier at home. Brush your teeth, keep them clean, make them look good. You get good, pretty teeth like me, sort of. Uh, my teeth weren't good until they were better now. So, yeah. Great so, cell. <laughs> that's what that good, is. Good, good, good teeth like mine, sort of. Well, all right. So my teeth were bad, but then you go get dental work and that makes them better. Simple math here. All right. Green Mountain Dental Group doing simple math, taking care of your teeth. Go check them out. Also, great time to sign up for DNVR and Avalanche membership. You have the prospect portfolio. If you want to go see some highlights of some of these guys we're talking about on this show, go get that. You also have Megan's piece on Eustace Ananen and a handful of other pieces from Megan. If you if you go back on the site about a bunch of the Eagles guys and Sean Barron's as including well. John Luke Foodie. Yeah, John Luke Foodie's on that list. You have uh, Sampo Ranta on that list. Ananen yep. was just posted literally like an hour ago. Uh, so get in there. Go uh, go look at all that stuff. It's it's super dope. I think we make dope content at the very least. We got some other cool stuff coming too. So yeah always a good time to get a dnvr membership you get a free shirt with all of that as well uh looks like we have a super sticker here let me go into the chat and see what it looks like and i'll i'll do my best all right so this super sticker the word vibes with glittery stars around it i like it did my best jake did my best thank you for the super sticker much appreciated uh all right Let's get into our, our top five guys here. Uh, pull up the list for us. Yeah, here. All right. So I have counted six. You have you have counted five. So yep. we can just go there. Um, it, Count's an interesting one, right? Because he has had a little bit of NHL experience. He hasn't seemed to stick in the NHL with the abs. But yeah. unlike Bowers... He has had some solid production in the AHL. The thing, the thing, and when I was I was mentioning this earlier, 
is is that with with Ranta that he's not separating at the AHL from other prospects. Cout does. Yep, I agree. Cout, when you watch Cout play in the AHL, you're watching. You're just looking at a guy, and you're like, he's got 31 points in his last 44 AHL games. Like he's been productive. He makes them better every time he's out there. He's very noticeable. It's really easy to see why we're like, just do this. It's a dude that looks just done be in that, done with, with that this. league. Yeah. And the part of the frustration is that you look, he's got 11 games with the abs over the last two years. He has no points. Yep. Uh, and in a lot of those games, albeit in limited minutes, he doesn't do anything. Yeah. And I know that the, he's a guy that there's a split in the organization on how they feel about him. Some, he doesn't do anything, you know, he's, he has conditioning issues or, you know, whatever. Right. Like, sure. Um, it's, and then there are others who are just like, just go watch him in the AHL, watch him, well, watch him just be better than a lot of guys down there all the time. I do wonder what it would look like if they gave count the leash that they gave Ranta, where they gave him a real quality 10 game stretch of time, yeah, give him 10 games and yep. have him average, uh, however much Ranta played per night. It was like nine min- plus minutes or something like that. I think, I don't know. Tailed off at the end a little bit, but either way, I would, especially because I do 10 think 54. Oh, that's almost 11. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, give I him do- 10 54 a night. Because I do think part of what makes Cout what he is, is he is a fairly cerebral player. He is someone who thinks the game well, and he's never a burner. You know, he's not going to torch dudes with his speed or anything like that. The thing about Cout, though, is that there isn't one single thing that you point to and say he does this at a high level. He does everything at about above average. Agreed. Nothing elite. But I don't think that there are any major weaknesses in his game other than the puck doesn't follow him around, which is just one of those innate traits that some guys have and some guys don't. Yep. And if if he's not if he's not constantly around the puck and there's nothing happening in his game, he's not he's not an overly physical guy. He's solid defensively, but it's not spectacular. It's not super noticeable. It's just like okay, well. Bad things aren't happening. Yeah, but I don't. Again, bad things aren't happening is equivalent to everyone on the Abs fourth line most nights, if not better some nights. Yeah, I mean, you look at Maltsev. Maltsev was a guy that you're really wondering, like, what more are the Avalanche looking for from him? Obviously, yep. points would have been nice. Yep. But you are you are kind of you know because count you know Maltev Maltev finished he has eighteen games played and he's at a fifty five percent Corsi and with the ABS and all the you know there's there's a lot of good that's happened with him yeah uh, except actual goals and with count count was if his six games played forty seven percent Corsi was good in expected goals, um, scoring chances, all that stuff. It's all I, solid. It, you, I mean, when you take a look at it, and I understand Cout doesn't play center, but you're looking at guys like Darren Helm down there. Certainly, 
when Knack's goal scoring ability isn't shining through, you're looking at those guys and you're saying they don't really do a whole lot different yeah. than what Cout would provide. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they give him ten games down the line, and the offense just never shows up. There's just nothing there, and that's the end of it. But he's another guy that I, I place in the same category as Bowers. I don't know if it'll be with the Abs, but this guy will get more NHL games. Well, and that's a that's a guy where you're like, okay, if you swap him, you need to swap him for a forward because your defense really doesn't need it. Yep. Um. You don't need another guy that's kind of pushing up on the ceiling there. You have guys that we're going to talk about here. That have the ceiling, yeah. But then you have other guys in the system. You have a guy like Dennis Gilbert, who I think has been really good for the Eagles this year. Yep. You and have it's Justin like Barron progressing if, nicely, too. If he needed to be – if Dennis Gilbert needed to be your eighth or your ninth defenseman in your that's organization, fine. he could do that. Yep. You know, so if you're going to move Cout, it's, it's, you need to move him for a forward because that's where you want to try and find some help. It, and what's, what's, I think, frustrating for guys like us is that you have like JT Comfer is in the NHL getting crushed every night. Yep. He's got the worst shot metrics by a long shot of any of the regulars. Yep. The guys that he's keeping company with uh, are Sample Ranto and Jason yep. Magna and Martin Cow. And when he's producing, it's fine. But when he goes 10 games without a point. Right. And and that's where it's for, it, all across the board, though. You're looking at JT. You're looking at JT Comfer. And you're saying the only thing that's gone really, really well is that the abs score way more goals on the ice than they give up. Yep. But all other all other metrics are bad. And you're like, okay, I don't know that he's a very good but uh, NHL player and at three and a half million dollars, how much of JT Comfer's game could you get with Martin Cout for a third of the price? Yeah. Like a quarter of the price. And we're talking, you, you saw a couple of years ago, the only reason that they didn't continue to play him was because they wanted to save the contract. They wanted the contract yep. to slide. They viewed him in that way. They valued him like that. And then they never really went back to him again in a meaningful way. Like they've given him games with six minutes and it's tough because it's like, what do you expect a guy to do with six minutes of ice time? Yep. You can't expect him to put a whole lot. Now, to be fair this year, he did play a couple of games around 10 minutes and then had, didn't do a ton with the time, but right. was playing a little bit and then got hurt. And this is the other part of the story is that like Bowers, there's always an injury that crops up when the abs need somebody. Yep. How many times has it been like, how come they're not calling a Martin Count? And it's like, he's not even in the AHL lineup right now because he's hurt. Yep. But they need to call a guy up, and that's how, you know, Dylan Sakura gets the call or whatever. Dylan Sakura, Kiefer Sherwood, Jason Magno. Those types they of guys. Pick get your calls. guy. Yeah. Now, those guys have also played great for the Eagles. For sure. So it's a little different. But you do you do wonder with a guy like Cout where you're just like you you drafted him in the first round. Now you're not gonna give you're not you're just not gonna give him a any kind of a the, the lack a of true, opportunity. Like, yeah, you're not gonna give him any true like sink or swim. Yep. Here's your you've got ten games. We're gonna give you tenish minutes per night. We want to see what you can do. Go out there and make this line better. Now, the fact that he's been a right wing. And all of a sudden, the abs between Comfer, Abe Kumel, and right Logan O'Connor, yeah. all of a sudden, their bottom six is kind of 
stock at that position. Post deadline, I'll be curious if one of their one or two of those guys go a piece or two out. Yeah. yeah, and and that bottom six gets cleaned out a little bit because some of these guys combine, or if a count is a guy that gets combined. Yeah, into be. a deal because if you are, if you're, if you're a, I'll just throw a hypothetical at you. If you're running the Arizona Coyotes and yep. the ads call and they say we'll give you Martin Cal for Phil Castle straight up. I think I'd probably want to pick, but no, at that point, does that organization need more picks? Because Cout is a young guy that they can drive into the NHL. I hear what you're saying. And I agree agree with the concept that you're bringing, but I also think Arizona wants as much value as possible when it comes to two to three years from now. And, and Cout would bring some value there. Theoretically, if he pans out, Arizona's in a place to give him all the opportunity. Right. In the world they to should be it out. reclamation project heaven right now. Totally. I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I agree with the, the premise. I just don't know if they would do Phil Kessel for Martin Cout straight up. That's all well, I'm, it's, I'm I'm just saying if a team offers them a fourth round pick, a team offers you Martin Cout, which one are you? Yeah, you take Cout if that's the case. Like that's, and that's where I'm, uh, I'm not sure, you know, money would obviously be an issue and there would have to be other conversations. You don't have to whatever. get into that. Yeah. Right. But I'm saying like, is that where Martin Cout's value is at the deadline? Maybe. And that sucks. And I think that that's a bummer for. I think that's a bummer for Martin Cal. If he gets in the NHL, I'd be happy for him. I think he should be in the NHL. He's a weird guy, though, because he's not individually ever going to pop. His game does not. It's not sexy. It doesn't. He's someone that's going to drop into a system and be right. Just someone who fits in wherever you put him. He'll do whatever. He's yeah. played a good depth role when he's asked to be a depth guy. He's been a good top six guy when they put him around good players with the Eagles. Yep. And it's like, okay, he's a function of this of the environment in which you put him in. So put him in the NHL. Put him in the him. NHL <laughs> and and give him some quality. You know, I'm sorry, but I would it not be intriguing to see what that guy could do next to Alex yep. Newhook? Just see what happens. I'm, I'm. That's the stuff for me that just I'm frustrates me personally i'm with you let's keep moving on here what do we got next on our lists yeah um, we have a lot to talk about with the top four guys too yeah and top and they're all a, a lot of them are going to be intertwined here as yeah. at four i have sean barons you have barons at two um uh, or rather and i have drew hellison at five compared to your four so let's talk about hellison first yeah all right so drew hellison I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind he's the one lock to be signed by the Avs this offseason, assuming he wants to sign. Yeah. Um, Should be an easy slam dunk that one home. Yeah. Obviously, he's his development in the NCAA has been excellent, and he got to go to the Olympics, all this awesome stuff. Great for him. And the defense has always been there. It's been there since his freshman year at BC, <clears throat> but seeing him – get involved in the offense is important. Not necessarily because that's going to be his role in the NHL, but just to see that there's a certain ability level, puck skill level there for him in the offensive zone. And so the reason why I've got Drew Hellison lower here mm-hmm. is even though the, the the offense has been better in college, when you're talking about where it projects in the NHL, and, and you and say, I have no argument to make here. Obviously, Barron's projects 
with more ability than Hellison does. And I'm I'm separating these two out, and I'm saying this is different. Um, where where I think it's different is that Hellison is going to be more valuable specifically to the Avalanche because yep. he is. He can drop into a bottom pairing, be a shutdown defender for them. Right. A he lot. can do the job, but he can do that specific role, and I think he could do it tomorrow. That's where I'm at, too. The proximity to the NHL for him is what really, really and, high on Hellison. And I think that the only the only other problem that Drew Hellison faces is that Justin Barron exists. Yep. And it's... Um, because Justin Barron, we saw it. Look, it was brief, but we saw a couple of games in the NHL this year where Justin Barron, there were some things that popped. Yep. And you were like, and it's uh, easy to dream on Justin Barron, and we'll get there. But right now, this current group, you've got a top four, kind of an established top four, top, really a top five, with two two righties and Sam Gerard playing on the right side. So that right side's kind of kind of set at the moment because yep. Drew Hellison's not going to roll in and play next to Sam Gerard on your second pairing. So, I mean, the conversation for Hellison and to a lesser extent Barron really becomes a couple years down the line, right? When you get Hellison into the AHL, and then in a couple of years you have EJ's contract expiring. Yeah. The year after that, you have Devon Taves, who's going to have an actual yacht <laughs> deliver the amount of money he's going to make. <laughs> So what a fucking baller move that would be. <laughs> Forget the dump truck. We're going yacht. Hire okay. a yacht to roll up with a suitcase of cash for your yeah. signing bonus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Why couldn't I be rich and have these good ideas? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's where things start to open up, I think, a little bit more for Hellison. Uh, obviously, Baron yeah. is going to be a first in line here. I think uh, I think so. Like when I was joking around and and we were talking about like Luke Shen as like a deadline thing. Yeah. Part of my appeal with Luke Shen is that he signed next year. Part of the reason why I think the Avs don't Get- want Luke Shen is because he signed next year yeah. because he's a righty, so that's going to play on their third pairing. And I think the Avs have not have a guy already in their system that they've kind of earmarked for that job. Yeah. And it's not Drew Hellison. I think it's Justin Barron. Now, if Justin Barron makes it through the organization, through makes it through the trade dead, trade deadline with the organization, that's interesting. Where Hellison is, Hellison for me, I'm lower on because as much as he is a great fit for a third pairing, he's physical, he's good enough with the puck, he does this and all that. As an NHL player, he looks a lot more limited to me. There's than, a hard ceiling, yeah. Then both Justin Barron and Sean Barron's. I I agree. I don't think the ceiling is is. <clears throat> even particularly close to the other guys. Agreed. You're you're having a hard time really visualizing Hellison as even a second pairing guy, I think. Right. Like he, he if Drew Hellison absolutely maxed out as a second pairing guy, I think you're looking at a Brendan Dillon type of player. Yep. Definitely. Good shot blocker, really physical guy, good size, does a lot for you and great work from his own end out. Just enough offense yeah. to justify get, giving him that number four type kind yeah. of guy. Yeah. Yep. And if he takes too many penalties, then he's Ian Cole. So <laughs> on the flip side of this, we have Sean Barons, who I had at four. You had all the way up at two. I have him at two because he has been 
unbelievable for DU this year. As a true freshman, he walked into DU's DU's lineup, plays in all situations for them, does everything for them, and has taken on their toughest assignments. He is five foot ten back there. And like we talked about with Colby Ambrosio, is a legit 5'10. He's a smaller dude and ultra competitive in your face. Does not back down from a challenge, does not back down from any kind of situation, plays a very physical style for a guy that is five foot ten. You look at a five foot ten guy, and the easy thing to do is to write him off as oh, the abs love their smurf defenders that don't that don't touch guys. Congrats. You've never watched Sean Barron's play. Sean Barron doesn't kid around. That that dude's a little bit of a psycho. Like <laughs> he's got he's got a little bit of like the small man's disease, you know, yeah. where like yeah. every short guy ever has he gets a little touchy about certain things and feels like they have to prove themselves and and get a little huffy and be like, I'm the real boss. You get Sean Barron's in front of his goaltender, and that's how he acts. He gets a little crazy at times. I think calling him a psycho is probably fair. <laughs> Sean Barron's got it, and, and and like it's a necessary trait for a guy who's five foot ten. Yep. If he was six foot three, he would have been a top five pick. Well, I love the point because you go look at freshman defensive scoring in the NCAA, and it's Sean Barron's, Owen Power, and Luke Hughes, two top PS, five picks. By two the way. top five picks. Yeah. So I, if Wade Clippen's playing on the the same team, mind you playing on a team that had four of the top five picks, the Av scouting staff, if, if for anything, if they deserve a pat on the back, I think it's the Sean Barron's pick from this last draft class, because it's a, it's a friggin' home run in in the second round. So credit where credit is due to the Avs organization on that one. The reason that I have him ahead of Olison is because, if he was not an AF. Yeah. Teams if he would be was fast tracking the shit out of this guy if he was not just saying, what <laughs> if he was a Philadelphia Flyer? <laughs> I wonder why you picked that team. Actually, with Cam York there, it's probably not the greatest. It's not, pick. it's not but they did move Ghost out, so there maybe there's some room there. But if he was a Philadelphia Flyer, he would be like a top prosper like there would be real hype on him there would be multiple teams in the nhl losing their mind about this guy but for the abs it's like oh we got another one (laughs) yeah for the abs they're like okay well with kale mccarr and sam gerard and bowen byram and then justin barron on the way also justin barron's like one bad flu season away from making the nhl again i guess just the next COVID outbreak is really what, they're, what he's waiting for. Um, whenever the next variant drops on top of us and kicks our ass, that's what the, the, he's in the NHL. Like, and if it wasn't, and Drew Hellison, like the fact that all those guys are right-handed is funny because that's where organizations are dying for help. They're dying to get right-handed defenders. And Drew Hellison, Sean Barron's, and Justin Barron are all there. They're all right-handed. It's a bit silly. Um, or Barron's is left-handed but plays the right side. Yeah, Sorry. it's the same. It, they play the same position on the right. It, yeah, the equivalency there. Which for I always, I always think of him as right-handed because he he's always well, played the uh, right side. And, and, then, and for organizations yeah. that aren't the Avalanche, 
they have lefties play the right side all the time. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. That's why that's what I want to do with Calvin DeHaan if the Avs go out and get him. So Oh no, he would play left and Sam you, Gerard would stay you, on the right. You put him on the left, do you think? Yeah. Oh yes. And okay. Sam Gerard, I've always agreed with Evan on this. Sam Gerard is better on the right side. That's fine with me. Anyway, not uh, the point is is that uh, the 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 reason that I have Barron so high and that I have him above Hellison is because if it were not for the Avalanche specific situation, Sean Barron's would be higher than Drew Hellison in every system in the league. Yep. It has been interesting to watch Abs fans become super attached to Drew Hellison because he fits the exact thing that they need. But he is still, of those three defenders in their top four of the prospect pipeline, he's still the lowest ceiling player. And that's not like a, that's not to say he's bad. That's not to say that we aren't excited. It's not to say that he's not going to be a, a quality or useful NHL player. I think that he continues to trend in that direction. He still has to prove that the puck skill plays in the NHL. It's, it's just the reality of if all of these players hit their ceilings, Drew Hellison is the lowest on the totem pole. Yep. If if you were lining them all up on a depth chart, Drew Hellison would be on that third pair. Yep. Okay. Should we talk about Olauson now? I will say, though, it's not hard to see like a third pairing someday of Sean Barron's and, and Drew, Drew Hellison. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We were just like, oh, it sucks that we lost Devon Taves, but. The top four is now McCarr, Gerard, Byram, and Barron. I will, I will say when you look at Barron's... when you look at Sean Barron's, Devon Taves is not a bad NHL comp for him. A little smaller. Yeah, the size isn't there. That's the one. But the the IQ and the puck skill and all that. Mm, mm, mm. All right. I so... also think when we talk Drew Hellison trade deadline. Uh, as as an, as a trade deadline, if you're the Philadelphia Flyers <laughs> and you want to compete next year, that dude can be a Hellison, potential drop in. Yeah, Allison could be an interesting guy to to drop onto your again next to Cam York, a guy that played at, they played at the DP together. Yep, it's so. it's definitely going to be an interesting conversation when we get to those trade value talks, which we'll talk about probably sometime next week. But, yeah. Um. Anyway, the trade assets. Yep. That's coming. Oscar Olauson. We have his first round pick from this year. We kind of already mentioned he's absolutely murdering the OHL. You have him at three. I have him at two. Uh, obviously ceiling very, very high on this kid. Uh, is it is is it Burkowski high? Like I if think he, so. If he maxes out, are you seeing, do you see an Andre Burkowski here? Yep. Yeah. I've tried to talk myself out of it, but I'm like, it really... There's so many things. You check you check so many Berkey boxes. Yep. He's got the size. He likes this puck on his stick. He, he can do a lot of things. Yes, he's scoring a lot of points on the power play, but his shot works just fine at five on five in all situations. Um, uh, still needs to work on the physicality. And and I think the reality of the type of player he is is it's never going to be the level you want for, for someone his size. But what I have liked, especially since he's gotten to Oshawa, is he's doing a better job of getting to the net front. He's doing a better job of getting to the important areas of the ice than he was earlier in the year. So I do think he's progressing in the right direction. Yeah, and for me, I think there was only so much he needed to show. At the OHL level, for sure. In the OHL, and he did that. 
<clears throat> I want to see where it goes in, in the pros. Um, yeah, I don't think Olsen has the highest ceiling of the Avs prospects. And for me, that's more important Man. than where a guy fits into a pipeline. Because if I, a guy doesn't have a very high ceiling, it doesn't really matter what the pipeline looks like. Yeah, I'd have a really hard time not having Justin Barron at one. I, I I sat down and I thought about it and I was like, I just can't not. Yep. I have concerns. We'll talk about them in a sec. But I've got, I, I with Olison, it's... You love, you love, uh, it's, it's almost the opposite of Martin Kaut. With Martin Kaut, it's everything is above average. There isn't anything sexy. There isn't anything that really jumps off the ice. With Olsen, he's got an unbelievable shot. And it's just, and he's got can you build around it? Yeah. And you're, you're kind of doing like what I talked about with Sampo or with uh, Alex Bocage, but at a much higher level. Well, you take those, you take those high end traits and you build a hockey player around him. And this has been a really, really encouraging year. I feel a lot better about that pick today than the day that it was made. But I still have real questions about how well he's going to process the game uh, in in the pros and exactly what it looks like. You know, his playmaking still just isn't there. I mean, he's got one assist in, what, 14 games with the Generals? Yep. Like, there's a real, I, there's a real question in, in my mind about if he ever develops the playmaking side of his game. Sure. And you need that to be, you know, if you're going to be a top six forward to be top six, you definitely need it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, that's where, you know, for a first round pick, like if, if we're talking about him as a third line guy, you're in love with the pick now, but if you're trying to get a top six forward out of that pick right now, there are still concerns. I, I, to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, especially in the last five to ten games, Oshawa has very much put him a role in a role of we don't want you to pass the puck, we want you to shoot the shit out of this every single time you get it. One like, Oshawa trading for him at all was it was odd. really weird that Oshawa was the team to because pull the they there, were yeah. I believe they were behind at Barry the time of the trade the they were behind Barry. Yep, and so it was like one. I understood why Barry was doing it. Um, you cash in on a you cash in on an international pick with yeah. a bunch of futures, and that's great. You rebuild right for a team that was not going to be competitive yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. Exactly, but it was weird for Oshawa because it was not like a power. It was not like a powerhouse OHL team adding a big time goal scorer. Yep, it was like a team that was trying to make the playoffs and was trying to get to the point where maybe they win a round or two. Added a big time goal Definitely. scorer. Just, just an odd, an odd situation to give up assets for is weird. Yeah, um, but either way, uh, I'm kind of with you. I don't think there's a ton more for him to prove at the OHL level at this point. It, he's still, I, I'm still convinced he's going to be a guy that you're just going to live with him, never bringing the physicality that people are going to want. A lot like Burakovsky, um, but. It's time to see if he can do it against pro competition at this point. And and unfortunately, the cancellation of the WJCs, I think, really hurt getting to see what a real look at him might have been. We'll see. WJCs if they, they could back bring it on. back, I know, in the summer. We'll see. But They're back on. But does, is Olsen on that team? still qualify? Yeah. Yeah. Know. Like, does Sean Barron's get a second crack at it? Because you remember, he only missed the USA team because he got yeah. COVID. So... You know, 
we'll see. But I'm, yeah, I, with Olison, I think that it's more just, I'm still not sold on his ceiling. I want a top six player out of the first round pick. I don't care where the first round pick is. And I just, if he's going to be an explosive goal, goal scorer, like I want to see the all around game develop. Yeah. I mean, I do think there's room in the world for uh, uh, Phil Kessel-ish, sort of Jamie McGinn-type players on a third line that can provide goal-scoring ability. Um, But I don't know particularly that Olausen's game will be well-rounded enough. Yeah. Did, he should jump to the HL next year, right? Like we agree, yeah, he's an eagle. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. Cool. Um, he's an eagle next year, and then we'll see how it goes. Yep. Which again, like for guys like Sampo and Cout and Bowers, like uh, yeah, the next wave is here. What do you? They basically do? don't need to sign AHL vets anymore because their prospects turned into AHL vets. Yep. That's a sad thing to say. It is, but it's also the reality. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Justin Barron, our consensus number one. Yep. Kid's dope. Kid got into NHL games this year. He's done nothing but dope stuff at the AHL level as a defenseman. I Is he a perfect player? No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But Number one concern is physicality. Yep. He continues to be pretty darn soft when it comes particularly to the defensive zone and net front, which is a problem the Avs are. Kind of known for in the NHL at this point. I just want to see him engage a little bit more. I don't think it's been, I don't think it's been a major problem for him with the Eagles. No. But I, I just he uh, he has a good enough stick that he gets away with it a lot yeah. of the time. He has a really good stick. Agreed. But it, and he's going to fit in wonderfully on a team full of defenders that have who have really sticks. good sticks. Yeah. <laughs> But, but it, the that that he does not just just like impose the size on people, and this is where this is where size gets overrated. Because if a guy doesn't use his size, it doesn't it matter. matter. Yeah, it just doesn't matter. Like you understand why five foot nine Sam Gerrard is not trying to dunk on guys physically. You say like, that, he, but he's he run some people over. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and they're almost always other small guys. Okay. Yeah. Like, Sam yeah. Gerrard understands. He picks his spots where he's like. <laughs> That's a tiny dude. I'm going to fuck him up. That's a big dude. I'm going to stick check him. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, no, he's not. He's not like Tyson Berry because Tyson Berry's a small guy where if you're asking him to be physical, he's probably going to lose that battle. Justin Barron has good size. Justin Barron has there's a lot of Justin Barron to go around. Okay, like there's Justin Barron is not looking at other dudes like, hey, that's a big boy. Justin Barron is a big enough dude that I'm not saying he should be physically dominant, but he should be more engaged with that side of the game. Yep. Uh, but everything, everything else, um, some of his puck decisions, I don't love. Um, he gets he gets a little squirrely with the puck at times in his own zone. But this has been even in juniors, the puck. Is a it's a bit of an adventure where it just kind of floats around his stick. Yeah, there but, are times. <laughs> but 
it, it's the even for all the negatives of a player, I, there are multiple teams that would be having him in the NHL right now. I guarantee it. Well, so. and and like like we've kind of focused on the negatives here. Like, yeah, right. He needs right. to be more physical in his decision making and all this, but like. He's our he's the consensus top prospect. For me, it was a no-brainer. It wasn't even close. If Agreed. we were doing a pyramid, he's he'd a step above Oscar Lawson and Sean Barron's. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh he showed well in the two games. Not gonna make too much of those two games, but he's also been really productive in the AHL. He's got 17 points in 34 games this year. He had four points in seven games last year, three points in two playoff games yep. for the Eagles last year. All AHL numbers. He's a point. He's a half point per game player in 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 uh, essentially in his AHL career. It's it obviously is yeah twenty one points in forty one games. He's not afraid to do things like walk the blue line, all that stuff at the AHL level. At the very yeah. least, I think his his vision and play reading ability in the offensive zone is borderline elite. It's uh, it's high end. It's higher end. Yeah. Absolutely. He's going to be able to make aggressive plays with the puck that crew, that that lead directly to goals. Yep. And he's going to be a guy that jumps into space and is going and it's going to lead to goals. Yep. Because he's not a guy that struggles with a shot. He's got a good shot. Mm-hmm. It's not I I don't think he'll ever score 15 in the NHL, but I think he should be an easy 7 to 12 guy. Yeah, he'll get 10. Like and I'm open for the 12 is like the career year where he Sure, can. sure. Like he just has one of those years, right? Sometimes pucks just go in. Yeah, he gets eleven goals and thirty-three assists, and you're like, Justin Barron is so dope for your third pairing. <laughs> it's just unfair. <laughs> yeah, and I think the impressive part about all of this is, despite the negatives we talked about, his game as a whole is solid. Yep, it's it's yes, he solid. Can, he can bring you quality minutes. In any situation, on any part of the ice, and at the NHL level, he's probably not to, to the point where you're going to be super reliant on him, but you can see where he would get to that point in the future. It's really easy to see Byram, McCarr, Gerard, Barron. Yep. Barron's Hellison. <laughs> <laughs> Done. This the is ex- after this is after Taves gets paid. He gets the yacht. defense for the next decade, and Taves is making twelve million dollars in New Jersey or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I dude, Taves next to Dougie Hamilton would be sick. That pairing would be a monster. It would be such a problem. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, Barons is dope. Uh, Baron is also dope. Yeah. Any any Avs defenseman whose name starts with B is dope. Yeah. It, I I do think that part of the team's hesitance to commit to another year on defense is because they're looking at Justin Barron like Yep. That's our <laughs> offseason addition. I'm here for it. Um uh, I mean, do, does he need another full year in the AHL? I don't think so. No. I, like I, I can understand I, them being like, look, it's, you know, it's full up and we've got, you know, they've got the top four. Byram's healthy. Eric Johnson's contract is yeah. there. And so but they're like, well, first call up next year. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's a complicated process. Yeah. Um. All right. 
any any final thoughts on the the ads organization here? Uh, you know, it's deeper than I thought it would be when I started going through it because I could start pulling NHL guys out of it. Sure. Um, the high end is is not there anymore. You're not yeah. talking about any all stars here. Sure. Um, you're not talking about top pairing or top line players. Um, so the system's really lacking in high end, but it's got decent depth. The the one guy that I think could maybe make an all-star game is the guy we talked about first in Eustace Ananen. Uh, yep. Maybe, right? I, I'm open to the idea. The, he's Goalies. the highest variance prospect in the system, probably. Yeah. But... Goalies. I yep. have no idea. But I do I do still like the system. I I better like it. It's not going to change too much, I don't think. So the only change it's going to get is there's going to be less. So, yeah, guys are going to graduate. Yeah, it's good. It's a good point. Uh, yeah. So, uh, really, the Av system isn't a more than fine spot, especially considering, you know, they're trying to win a Stanley Cup this year. Uh, but uh, we'll see. The, the the story with prospects is always we'll see. We could come back this time yeah. next year and all of these guys are terrible now. I mean, Shane Bauer should have been in the NHL like two or three years ago. Like this, this is kind of disappointing. Yep. That's a lot disappointing. Yep. I'm disappointed. I and that's know. not even, that's not even me. Uh, That's, that's, that's not even me being just a fanboy of Shane Bauer's the person, you know? It just should have happened already. Anyway, let's get out of here. Yeah, there's no going backwards in time, only forwards. So we're going to wrap up the show. We appreciate all y'all hanging out, listening to us, to us rant about prospects as we love to do so much. Um, mm-hmm. We will be back tomorrow uh, for the game, pregame, postgame, all that good stuff for you. Hope to see you on those shows. Until then, we will talk to you all on the next one.